Well, good morning. That last song is called Revelation Song for a reason. Most of the lyrics come straight out of the Bible. Um, so when you're singing that, you're not just singing man's words, you're singing God's words that he gave to uh, John the Apostle. So that's, that's a pretty powerful song um, that we just did. Um, <clears throat> has anybody ever had like a, a week where just nothing, nothing kind of went right? Ever have that week? Like, and, and you're trying to make things go right? Um, there's even a song about that, right? It's a little pop song. No, that's not a good pop song. Never mind. Forget that. <clears throat> that wasn't in the notes. Anyway, this, this has been kind of one of those weeks when, when you're preparing for something and um, you just can't, can't get traction. You know what I mean? On what you're about to do. All right, so what's happening is I'm, see, well, for instance, I'm pressing play up here, and so I'm pressing play. So if, if, you, if you get rid of that, I can see my, my slide. Yeah, it's on the right hand, the output, just click the output. Yeah. It's a little output on the side. Okay, great. Um then let's, let's do this. Um, let's, let's go without. Okay, so, so I'm going to press play on mine so you don't mess with yours. Okay? So I'm going to go over here and here. And lo and behold, these slides aren't even on here. So I'm going to press here, and that goes to the wrong screen, and I'm going to press this. I know this is entertaining to all you guys, but you, you do not look. So what I'm getting at is this sermon has been the biggest headache I've ever had in my entire life. I have put so much time into this sermon, and you get to this point, and you're wondering if it's even going to look like you've spent any time in it, right? And so, so, for instance, my notes were, not that I always look at them, but I like to have them because I just like to have them. My notes were in my Bible just a few minutes ago, and I sat on that back pew right back there, pew, it's a chair, and um, my notes are gone. I've got a nice bookmark that I took pictures with a couple of friends at a wedding, right? I've got that in here, but I don't, I don't have my notes. Um, in fact, I don't, I don't even know how this is going to go now. Um, I know where we're going with the whole deal, but I'm not really sure what's going to happen. And during the week, you know, you're, you're sitting there and it's just not going well. And so voices, I don't know if you hear voices. I might need medication. But every now and then... you. You, you hear voices. See, this is backwards. The, the screen is now, yeah, just get rid of that. Just get, get, rid of it, get rid of that. I don't need to see my slides. Yeah, so I'm going to press play again. So just leave it, leave it on. So you have... <laughs> All right. D turn the computer off and turn it back on, because that is what they tell you every time you call the helpline. 
okay? So if we call, they're going to tell you to do that. So just turn it off, turn it back on, and let's see what happens. Just restart the whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, you have these voices inside of your head that keeps telling you this is going to be awful. It's, it's, it, maybe you should be sick this Sunday. Maybe you, know, you don't know what you're doing. You can't think through this stuff. I mean, you have all these voices going on. And, and, it, and it's kind of depressing sort of voices that happen. You, you have stuff like, you know, last week you felt good about it. This week you don't feel good about it. it. It's just kind of a depressing sort of tone. And all these voices are going on inside of you. And, and the intent of those voices is to prevent you from doing what God wants you to do. Right? Or the, the intent of those voices is to kind of beat you down to make you feel like you are not going to be able to achieve what God wants you to achieve. Have you ever had that happen to you? Have you ever had it happen to where you, you know you're doing something for God, but, I mean, it's just, oh, my God, it's just so stinking oppressive, and nothing is going right. And then when you arrive at the moment, stuff in here isn't even going right. It is, it is just absolutely incredible. In fact, just now, my thing just totally cut off. So, so here we go. All right, here we go, because this is the moment, and this is God's, and this is what he has for you. Fair enough? Fair enough. All right. Recently, I, I made up a story that I might have heard part of it later in, my, and later in my life, but I definitely made up a new story for my kids, okay? I have other stories uh, that I told them when they were, kid, when they were little that were, they'll probably need counseling for. I'll tell you about those later, but nonetheless, here's the story. There was four blind men with a guy that could see, so five people walking through the jungle. His job, the guy that could see, was to take the four blind people to uh, the next village. Well, as they made it through the jungle, they came upon an elephant. And the guy that could see said, hey, this is an elephant. Have you ever, have you ever experienced an elephant before? And all the four blind guys said, no, never experienced the elephant, never have. What is an elephant? So will you fill your way over, and, and you tell me what an elephant is. So the guys, they, they filled, felt their way over. And so the first guy was filling the trunk, and he said, well, it feels like a water hose. So an elephant is like a water hose, right? And then the second guy was filling the leg, and he said, you know, an elephant is kind of like a leg. I would just stop. It just, let's just stop. Okay, let me press play right in the middle, of, and, and I'm good with this right here, and I can go on, and this is possibly the way God wanted it, almost ready. I'm not going to be able to have these at all. Awesome. So throw it up on the back screen for me so I can at least read my stuff. Okay, anyway, he fell to the trunk, right? He fell to the trunk, and he said, oh, uh, the leg. He said, man, uh, an elephant's like the trunk of a tree, right? And then the guy at the very end of the elephant was feeling of the, you know, of the tail. He said, man, an elephant, elephant's like a rope. So they were sitting there. Now, what is your first question? Where's the fourth guy? Right. The fourth guy said, oh, praise God. Oh, I like it. That's where we're staying. I like, I like it. I like it. 
okay? Awesome. Anyway, the fourth guy, he said, well, an elephant is soft and smells real bad. The moral of the story is don't be the fourth guy, right? Actually, the moral of that story is this. Sometimes in life, we have certain beliefs about certain things, and they're not total beliefs. And we really push the side of the belief that we believe, and we forget the rest of the elephant. So we argue until we're red in the face that, hey, an elephant is just a water hose, or an elephant is like a tree because it feels like a trunk of a tree, or an elephant is just a rope, and we start arguing with each other without realizing that there's a whole elephant. There's a whole elephant. And what starts happening when we start throwing stuff at each other and we start arguing about those different types of things, we produced stuff or a situation or an environment that is soft and stinks. You will never forget that story now, right? What, you're welcome. What is worse, what is worse than people doing that with theology or the Bible is when they start taking little pieces of truth and apply it to someone that's suffering when it doesn't apply. Because what happens is you start saying, well, this is this and God must be doing this and you're beating the poor person that's suffering down. And that is precisely what is happening in Job. It's precisely what is happening at this point. Job has three friends that are coming to see him. So turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 2. Job chapter 2. And we'll start reading with verse 11. Job chapter 2, verse 11. Now, when Job's three friends heard all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from their own place, Elphaz, the Tenemite, Bildad, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Nanamite. Obviously, in the locations they lived in, they had bug trouble. Bunch of mites, you know, it just, what named the place? Now, What I want you to understand is these people came from a long distance to meet at a point in time. So time-wise, Job has lost everything. The word gets out to these three friends who are in three separate villages, and it's going to take them some time to get that information. When they get that information, they write each other, and they agree to meet at a certain place in time. So between the time that Job lost everything and now he has these sores all over him and scraping himself with a piece of pottery, by the time that they get the message and get together and actually get to Job, Job has been suffering for a few months, at least. It's not the next day. They didn't see it on Facebook. They didn't see any of that. They couldn't drive their car there. They had to travel. So this is probably a couple months. I would say more like three months, somewhere around that, in order for them to get to him. So at this point, Job looks really, really bad. He's probably not eating much. He's probably a lot skinnier than he used to be, 
and he has all this stuff all over his body, okay? So verse 12, and when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him, and they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward them, toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. Now, let me pause here a moment and say, at this point in time, these friends are doing exactly what they need to do. They come, they see Job, and they have the same reaction that Job did when he heard he had lost everything. So they're identifying with his suffering, they're seeing that he's really suffering, and they're sitting there in silence. Now, we're going to talk about this more next week, but the number one thing that you can do for somebody that is suffering is keep your mouth shut. That's the number one thing you can do. Sometimes people just need you to be there, to be there. This is a lesson that I learned later in ministry. I, I always struggled going to the hospital. It's still not my favorite thing to do, and don't judge me for that because it's not your favorite place to be. Fair enough? Fair enough. But when you go in a room, you're just not really sure what to say. You're not really sure how to interact. You're really not sure what to do. Some of the stuff that you see when you go on hospital visitation, you've never experienced before. You don't know how the person is feeling. But a little late in life, someone pulled me inside and said, Philip, look, you need, you need to just be there. Don't worry about what to say. Be there and pray and go on. It means something when you and I are present with someone that is suffering. Don't underestimate silence. So, the people, these three friends of his, they say, hey, he's suffering, we're going to sit here. But after seven days, and over the course of the seven days, they went from caring about Job to trying to solve his problem. And in trying to solve his problem, they approached his problem from a theological perspective. And they begin to tell him stuff that is true, but not true. Here's the first thing. You are suffering because you have committed a sin. You are suffering because you have committed a sin. Listen, it is no secret that God disciplines his children when they go astray. It's no secret to that. This is, this is a biblical principle. And so, there are times that you and I are disciplined by God, and then we repent, and, and that's the mere purpose for our suffering. God brought something into our life to bring us to our needs. That is true, but it's not always true of everybody that's suffering, all right? So, one of his buddies says this, behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. This is a very true verse, but it doesn't apply to Job. This is a very true thing to say, but it doesn't apply to Job. Job hasn't done anything wrong. We know that. We've read chapters 1 and 2. There was a meeting in heaven between God and Satan, and they came up with this whole thing to test Job's faith. This has nothing to do with Job's sin. But here his friend is saying, um, behold, blessed is the one who, whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. Here's what Bildad, his next friend, says. 
in Job 8. How can you keep on talking like this? You're talking nonsense and noisy nonsense at that. Does God mess up? Well, no, God doesn't mess up. Does God the Almighty ever get things backward? No, he never gets anything backward. It is plain that your children sinned against him. And that is when your heart goes, really, dude? (laughs) You really went there. Job has just lost 10 of his children, and you're now, what are you doing? Right? And, but that is a voice. Otherwise, why would God have punished them? It might be true, next screen, that you are suffering because you have committed a sin. But it also might be true that you are suffering just because your faith is being tested. It could be that you haven't done anything wrong in your suffering. It could be the normal course of life that you're experiencing. Maybe you're now 40 and things don't work as well as they used to work. Normal course of life. When you are approaching someone that is suffering, do not make a mistake of judging them for their sin. That is not your job. What is your job now? Not to judge them. They are going through this for a reason, and honestly, God is better at giving them that reason than you are. And so you leave it alone. They might not be suffering because they've sinned. It may be a total different reason. If you're sitting here this morning and you've been hearing the voice, man, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, I've sinned, and you've constantly got this guilt, and you're constantly repenting, you're constantly repenting, and you can't seem to get peace, it is time for you to understand, first of all, that if you have sinned and you've confessed that sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And it only has to happen one time. All you have to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry for doing that. And he takes that sin away and doesn't hold it against you any longer. Let it go and don't listen to the voices. Quit listening to that voice that's in your ear that's saying, it's because you sin, you're a worthless person. It's because you sin, you're a worthless person. Quit listening to that because God's up in heaven saying, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Go with that. They will go as far as to say this. Job chapter 5, verse 19, get down on your knees before the Almighty. Let me tell you something. If God is disciplining you and you have asked forgiveness of your sins, that does not mean the very next day is going to be all a bed of roses either. Okay? The other side of this is maybe you don't have anything to confess and maybe God just wants you to remain faithful. Faithful to him, faithful to trust in him, faithful to what he wants you to do. Do not believe the voices. Say that to your neighbor. Do not believe the voices. Go two screens in. Second thing, good people do not suffer, only bad people suffer. Look, this is common in the church, in America. There are preachers that will get up on TV and will tell you that if you live correctly, God will bless you 
You'll have a lot of money and a mansion like mine. Now, some of you are laughing at my house. Don't be laughing at my house. Okay? But you know what I mean? They, they will say that. And it's called a prosperity gospel. That if you live correctly, God will bless you. If you live correctly, good things will come your way. If you just, if you just love other people, good things will come away and you will not suffer. If you do not do that, if you do not follow God in that way, then obviously you're going to have suffering in your life because you didn't live the way that God wanted you to live. This is not correct. Righteous people suffer as much are more so in this life, I would argue, than the wicked people. I'm not the only one that would argue this way. Job would too. Job would tell you that as well. So when we say that good people do not suffer, only bad people suffer, that is not true at all. So this is what his friends are saying to him. These are the voices. Remember, who that was innocent ever perished? Well, the answer to that he wants you to say is no one. Or where, or I can't even read when I'm looking at a screen. Or where were the upright cut off? As I have seen, those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the breath of God they perish, and by the blast of his anger they are consumed. That just doesn't connect with the way life is. The struggle that Job is going to have and he does have, and the struggle that I have, and I'm sure the struggle that you have, is we see all the time that wicked people doing wicked stuff that they shouldn't be doing seem to get away with it and seem to be doing very well for themselves and seem to have a lot of money in a Swiss bank account. Come on. It seems that they are so evil, but they get rewarded for it. They do things that are wrong, but they get rewarded for it. Wicked people really survive and prosper in our current environment. We don't want it to be that way, but that is the way it really is. So this is totally wrong. It seems that innocent people perish in this life more than the wicked. Next, think, has a truly innocent person ever ended up in the scrap heap? Do genuinely upright people ever lose out in the end? It's my observation that those who plow evil and sow trouble reap evil and trouble. One breath from God and they fall apart, one blast of his anger and there is nothing left on them. He is saying that as soon as you sin, God gets you. As soon as you sin, God gets you. I'm here to tell you that as soon as you sin, God doesn't get you. He just makes a record of it. But if you're a Christian, that record is covered under the blood of the Lamb. Good people suffer. Bad people seem to get away with evil. Go two slides. So, it's just not true. So the voice, voice with Job is, look, you're wicked, you're suffering, and Job's saying, no, that doesn't seem to be the right thing. All right, progress, progress, progress. There we go. Progress, 
progress. So don't believe the voices. Don't believe the voices. Here's the deal. The biggest temptation, I think, for people is that they live correctly and they suffer and they see all these other evil people doing things that they know they shouldn't do, but they seem to be getting away with it. And the good people begin to think, well, maybe it's not all that bad to do this stuff. And so they go over there and they begin to start to do it and they begin to prosper and, and they are quote unquote blessed. But there are two beings that can bless you in this world. God and Satan. And Satan blesses you to prove God wrong. And God blesses you because he wants something better for you. Don't listen to the voices and go to the other side. Do not look at them and say, oh man, that's just a better life and go over there. Don't do it. Put your faith in God and follow him. Here's a couple other things that his friends are saying to him. And I'm not going to give you the scripture for these. If you want them, I can give it to you afterwards. They tell him that he's the enemy of God. Have you ever been suffering so much that you felt like you were the enemy of God and there's a voice continuing to tell you that you're the enemy of God? Have you ever been suffering that way? Yeah, don't believe the voices. You're not the enemy of God. If you are bought by the blood of the lamb, God loves you and you're very valuable to him and you are his child. You are not his enemy. Do not believe that voice. Here's another voice in Job. You are worthless. One of his friends looks down on him and speaks down to him and makes him feel like he's worthless and stupid. Have you ever had that friend that looks down on you and makes you feel stupid? Don't believe the voices. The person that we don't see that wants you to feel like that you're worthless, that you're stupid, and that this isn't going anywhere, the very being that is trying to get you to get into depression, to get to where you do not believe that you are of any worth at all, is the enemy, Satan. He doesn't want you to think that you are valuable. He doesn't want to think that you have any worth at all. And so he will send these voices to you when you are suffering, when you are down, when you are lonely, when you do not feel good, that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not great enough, I'm not like this other person, I don't have the mind I need to have, and it's all lies. God has created you to be a certain type of person in a certain type of way to do a certain type of job. He thinks that you're valuable. He loves you enough to die for you. You are significant to him. Do not believe the voices. No matter what you're suffering with, no matter how many times you've been in the hospital, no matter how much you are worried about your, your certain suffering that's coming into your life at this particular point, do not believe the voice that is right in your ear saying, you are not worth anything, you are stupid, you are nothing, because God is up in heaven saying, you are something, you are valuable, and I love you, and I am with you, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Come on. When we feel defeated, this is just not going to go... I'm just not, it's not the way that it should be. It is the moment that we reach out to God and allow him to work in our weakness. It's the moment that we reach out to God and say, yeah, 
that person might not think I'm valuable, but the God that created that person thinks I'm valuable. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're valuable in the sight of God. Yeah. You are valuable in the sight of God. The enemy wants you to be broken down. So, let me tell you a story. Um, I, this was a long time ago, back when I was in college and I had to do research papers. By the way, the way I did research papers was, if I was in a time crunch, is I'd come up with some type of, you know, theory, and then I would just go find people to quote that agreed with me. It's amazing. Whatever you think of, there's somebody that's already said it. It's crazy. When I was in college, I, I read this magazine, um, and it was about Billy Graham, and the guy was not really for Billy Graham at all, and Billy Graham was sick. And what the guy said was, the reason that Billy Graham is sick is because there's sin in his life. There's sin in his life because he's um, associating with the wrong types of people. So that was the article. That was the extent of the article. Um, I don't know why, but this has stuck with me. I know why. It stuck with me. I don't know why. These two magazines, this edition was in May, and this one was the very next month, June. So I opened up June's issue, and I was reading the editor's, you know, thing. And come to find out, the editor had recently fallen down some stairs, and, and he broke his leg. And now he was hobbling around. So this is what he said about that. He said, you know what? It was just an attack of Satan. He's trying to keep me from doing God's work. Now I want you to think about that a minute. Billy Graham's associating with the wrong types of people, sinners. So he's sick, but I fell down a flight of stairs, but it's not because of sin. It's because Satan is trying to... Come on, that's funny. I don't care who you are, that's funny. We need to be very careful judging other people's sins and making ourselves innocent. The sins we need to judge are our personal ones, not someone else's. If you're suffering in this room, it's your job to figure out why you're suffering, not your friends. Every time I have the stomach bug, I'm the most righteous man you've ever met. You're already on your knees, and I'm praying every single sin that I could possibly think of to confess it, to kind of get through that particular thing, right? But I don't want my wife coming in telling, telling me, hey, you're, you're doing this because you sinned. I don't, I don't want that to happen. I want her to bring me some Sprite. That's what I want. I want some Sprite just to wash that stuff out, right? So, so be careful judging someone else's, be sure you're only doing yours. Now, how do we know which voices to listen to and which voices not to listen to? Because I think this is very important. Especially if, if we're going through a time and we've had all these voices going on, which voices do we listen to? Go two slides. First, is the voice you're listening to, does it match your life or reality? In other words, 
the friend that is telling you something, does it really match your life? Does it really match the way things are in the world? Is what they're saying, does what they're saying make sense to what you're going through? If it doesn't, it's not the right voice. It's not the right voice. Does it match your life? In other words, if, if, if someone's convicting you of something that you didn't do and they're telling you that's the reason that you're suffering, you immediately say, well, no, that's not right. I don't want to listen to that voice. I'm not going to listen to that one. But if it matches, that's one you listen to. Here's another one. Are they looking down on you while they are saying it? All of us know when that happens. There are those people that are on the same level that sit with us during suffering. And then there's those that are better than we will ever be. And they think that we deserve that suffering. Don't listen to the ones that are looking down on you. Do you know Jesus up in heaven doesn't look down on you? Do you know how I know that? Because he became a man and walked among us. He became a man and touched us. He became a man and lived with us. And currently, if you've received him as your savior, he thinks you're worth enough to live inside of you. He never looks down on you. Don't believe those voices if they're looking down on you. Next, are the voices degrading you as a person? Are they leading you into depression? If the voices are degrading you as a person and they're leading you into depression, don't listen to those voices. Quit going around those people until you're through the suffering. Find some positive people to be with, some people that are going to pray with you during it. Pray that you have strength and God will be with you and they're positive towards you and they're not sitting there judging you and degrading you. Do you know what Satan's job and his demon's job is? It's to degrade the human race. In Job, if you read through it, you'll find that his friends call the human race maggots and worms. Do you know that God never refers to the human race as a maggot or worm ever? It's always positive. Why is that? Because you and I are created after his image. And to call us a maggot and worm would be to say that he's a maggot and a worm. And God, last time I checked, wasn't a maggot or a worm, and he probably doesn't even eat beef. Are the voices degrading you as a person? Are they leading you into depression? If they are, get those voices out of your life. Next, pray. Ask God's questions. Read the Bible. Lean on people who care. Pray. Um, when you're suffering, first thing you do is hit your knees. You pray. Throughout Job, we see that you can be honest with God. You can tell him how you're feeling. You can tell him how it's affecting you. You can be brutally honest with him. When you're talking to him, you should never accuse him of anything, but you should tell him exactly how you're feeling. You don't put wrong in his arena and tell him he's doing wrong. No, you just tell him how you're feeling, and you can be very raw with God. He's big enough to take it. He can take anything you say better than your friends can. He can take anything you say better than your wife can or your husband can. You can tell him anything. And when you cry out to God, there is something amazing about that. I often read through the Psalms to figure out what to say sometimes. The Psalms are so... 
you know, we think of them as praise songs, but they are, but they're praise songs out of suffering. These people are in anguish, and they're still saying, glory be to God on high. They're suffering, but they're saying, you are sovereign, and you are Lord, and you are awesome. I'm hurting. I need you to know that. Help me, give me strength. The psalmist, and I love these when I have an enemy, take my enemy down, Lord, you're strong enough. It is okay to pray that. The Bible tells us that we should not have revenge, but we can pray that God in his justice takes care of our enemies. Amazing. Pray, ask God's questions, read the Bible, lean on people who care. Do you want to know how I know who my friends are? It's who is around me and how they treat me when I'm suffering. That's how I know who my friends are. Do they still treat me with love or have they left the building? Do they still care or do they not even call? Are they iffy on coming around me at all? Or are they there to give encouragement? You lean on the people who care. And let me tell you a secret. The people that care really know what it means to be a Christian. Yes, that means the people that don't, do not. They really know what it means to be a Christian. Um, I have gone through a lot of stuff in my life. And... Um, I can, I can remember a time where, where things just were not going well at a particular place that I was at. And actually, I would literally um, go to the sanctuary at that particular church, fall on my knees in the darkness and just pray. Um, I would uh, have meetings with people, and then after they left, and after I knew like nobody was around, I would be in a corner just kind of curled up and crying. You know what I mean? And it was just a tough time. Um, the people in that arena that I, that I thought I had a close relationship with never contacted me. Never contacted me. Well, some of them. Another set of people would stop by my house, ask me how I was doing, send me a text, ask me how I was doing. By the way, it's not here. <laughs> okay, it's not here but they would check on me to see how I'm doing. Between the two sets of friends, these are the ones that mean more to me now than these. I am 46 years old. I don't have time for fair weather friends. Life is too rough. Life is too, uh, too hard. And what I need around me is good Christian people that will sit with me when I'm suffering and rejoice with me when things are going well. 
and help me through the, that particular time. I don't need people that say that they're Christians but don't act like it. I need people that love Jesus and demonstrate it. We need to be people that are Jesus and we demonstrate it to people. That's what we need to be. Finally, before we pray, it really doesn't matter. Well, it matters. I think it matters a lot when you have people that are for you and sit with you. But this is what matters more. What matters more is the truth that God is for you and he's not against you. Turning your Bibles real quick. I'm not going to preach on it. I'm just going to read it. To Romans chapter 8. Verse 37. If you're suffering today, you need to read this tonight when you go to bed. You need to read it when you get up in the morning and every time you hear the voices. Romans chapter 8. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famines or nakedness or danger or the sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you are suffering and you think no one else loves you, God does. There is nothing that can separate you from that love. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the state that you've given us. We thank you for this lesson from Job. And I pray for the people in the room today that have been listening to the voices, and it's gotten them down, and it's led them to where they just do not feel like they're worthy of anything. I pray, Father, by the power of your Spirit, you'll give them the strength to not listen to those voices anymore, but they'll listen to you They'll run to passages like Romans 8 that talks about their value and how you care for them. I pray that in their heart, they'll hear you whispering in their ear, saying, I am with you, I am for you, I am with you, I am for you. I will strengthen you even in this. 
So whether it's a work-related thing that's the tension and they're not really sure what to do, whether it's a marriage thing and they're not sure what to do, whether it's a financial thing that they're struggling with or their kids are not exactly the way that they want them to be or they're struggling with some type of health issue like like cancer or, or loss of vision or they're worried about keeping their memory. Pray, Father, that in this moment that you'll wrap your loving arms around them and comfort them and strengthen them and let them know in a very special way that you are for them and not against them, that there is a plan and it will be revealed in the time that your wisdom dictates. And I pray that we will all trust in that. We ask all these things we pray in Jesus' name.